Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, Episode 6. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And as friends, we discover Charles enjoys movies, but other than major blockbusters from the last 15 years, he hasn't seen any. So as good friends, we decided to expose him to personal favorites and cinematic classics. And this week, we watched the 2007 movie The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. So, Charles, what was this movie about? Oh, man, what was this movie about, right? <laughs> I mean, a lot happened in it, so I don't know if I will be able to fully capture everything. But the basic plot summary is that Robert Ford is this like young guy who nobody takes seriously and who really idolizes Jesse James, who is this renowned and legendary outlaw. We all know about Jesse James. Um, and he starts out by really wanting to join Jesse James's gang before they're about to do this big train robbery, but everybody rejects him. Uh, then they do the robbery, and it doesn't go as well as they want it to. Uh, and uh, Jesse James's brother swears it off as their last heist. Uh, and then uh, I think Jesse James becomes suspicious of some of his fellow gang members um, and goes out and kills a few because he hears murmurs that they're planning to, like turn him in or kill him or something like that. Um, and then later on, he rejoins with Robert Ford and his brother, Charlie, um, to try to restart a gang and rob some more banks. Um, and Robert Ford gets recruited by um, like the government to assassinate Jesse James for a reward. And I guess he decides that uh, through this, he can gain some glory and respect that he's desired all along. And so he does it, assassinates Jesse James, as the title might indicate. Uh, and he tries Spoilers. to capitalize. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to capitalize off this by like starting a show and bragging about how he did it. Um, he doesn't get any of the respect that he thought he would get, and everybody just derides him as a coward, as the title indicates, um, because you know he shot Jesse James, who you know he was trying to like friends with and be associated with. He shot him in the back while he was undefended and all that. Uh, and so Jesse James just, I mean, uh, Robert Ford just kind of has to live life as this kind of reviled figure, I guess, uh, until someone decides to kill him. And he gets none of the fanfare that Jesse James got when he died. Until this movie was made. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that. That's, that's actually not a bad explanation of the movie. Yeah, in terms of the events that happen in the movie, yeah, right? Like that. He hits on the themes, Yeah, too, yes, like, that's true. That, that's fair. Because, I mean, it, this this movie, uh, we were talking about it before we went live here, it does not hit typical narrative beats, right? It no. does not move in the same way that movies, especially Westerns, typically move. So, to summarize the plot, a lot of times it does feel like just saying, here's a series of things that happened in this movie. And well, <clears throat> it's kind of, it can be hard to find see the connective tissue. It doesn't feel yeah. like the right thing to be talking about for the movie. I agree. Sure. Yeah, I agree. So, Will, so you chose this movie, so go ahead and tell us why. Yeah, well, I think it's a, a great movie. Um, several reasons I chose this movie. One, I've been thinking about Westerns a lot. I, I like Westerns substantially, but I've been thinking a lot, of them, a lot because of Westworld, um, and that we've kind of seen a lot of these meta-Western or anti-Western Westerns crop up recently. So we have this one, we have the other two major Westerns that came out in 2007, with No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood. We had Hell or High Water, which came out this year. Meek's Cutoff came out a couple of years ago. So we've seen a lot of this revival of these kind of anti-Westerns in recent years, and this is the best example. I think 
this is the best yeah, one. It's kind of the moody western. Yeah, the moody mm. western, but also the western that it kind of responds to the tropes of the genre and isn't interested in just delving into the hero myth, but in what is critiquing the hero myth. Um, and, and this movie is not the first to do it, but it, it does it well, and it does it in a way that the other ones haven't. Um, so for that reason, I wanted to touch on it. But the other, the other reason is that it came out in 2007. And I think that... It wait, wait, we said a couple of movies there. Charles, have you, have oh, you yeah. seen uh, The World Be Blood? <clears throat> no. Have you seen No Country for Old Men? I did, but I do not remember very much of it, unfortunately. That movie's that's fucking great. Right? There's, a lot of movies <laughs> that, there's a lot of movies that I've seen. Josh Brolin's so good. But I cannot recall for some reason. I just must have been distracted or like watching them very late at night or something like that. Um, that's one of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I also mentioned <laughs> Saw movie. Yeah. yeah. Did you see Hell or High Water came out this year? No. Definitely. I haven't seen that one. Either. Okay, it's great. Yeah. Uh, Meek's Cutoff. I don't, I've I never even heard, heard of that. Oh, Meek's yeah. Cutoff is it's like a yeah. feminist western, right? Meek's Cutoff <laughs> is really good. Um, but anyway, the other reason, because I, I was planning on just reading a list of movies, but now I hesitate to do that since we're going to ask Charles about each and every one. Yeah. But here's some things. Here are some things that came out in 2007, just for the argument that 2007 is one of the best years of cinema ever. All right, so here's here are some it, things. It is a ridiculous. All right, so there will be blood. No country for old men. Lives of others. Wait, wait, Charles. Nope. Michael Clayton. No. Juno. Yes. Eastern Promises. Yes. Three Ten to Yuma. Nope. Zodiac. Nope. Super bad. Yeah. Gone Baby Gone. Uh, which one was that? That was the other Casey Affleck movie that Ben directed about no, the kidnapping. Okay, also a great movie. Persepolis. And of course, maybe the best one, B movie came out in two thousand seven. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Well, I've seen that many times in many ways. <laughs> yeah. By now. Well, Ratatouille came out. And, yes. Yeah, I did see Ratatouille, and I like that one a lot. Yeah, Ratatouille came out. So, two thousand seven. Quietly one of the best Pixar movies. Yeah, one of the best movies, and two thousand seven was loudly one of the best. And like the least commercial Pixar movie. Yeah. 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 Ratatouille was super good. Yeah. So I think this was a the. Best example of a good year uh, in cinema. The other... Well, we were saying offline that, like, the last few years have just been, like, dreck. Yeah. <laughs> and thinking back to 2007, where, like, every movie's a hit. Is, I don't like, know. I, yeah, I mean, it's not fair to not compare. a hit, but, like, every movie's insanely good. Yeah, it's not fair yeah. to compare the years to 2007. And I don't think that the last few years have really been dreck. But they have not compared to 2007. That's, that's for sure. Um, the other... Third or fourth reason I picked this movie is last time um, when I was introducing the movie at the end of the last episode, I characterized it as an art film. Um, and having rewatched it, I stand by that more firmly. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanted to introduce that idea and that kind of movie into our repertoire. This is an art film in the sense that it's like beautifully shot and really boring. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering yeah. why you call it that because. I don't know, I have a certain perception of art film yeah. as being maybe more abstract or more weird than what I saw in this movie, so I wouldn't think of it as an art movie, I guess, because, I mean, you see beautiful shots of beautiful cinematography in All of plenty them. of movies. Yeah. Um, so when I say, I guess, I guess that's one thing I wanted to raise. When I use the term art film, Charles, what do you think of? Is there a movie you think of? I don't know if I think of a specific movie, but I just get this general vibe of, like strangeness or like non-standard ways of of communicating ideas or you know things like that. I that's what I assume an art movie would be when you call something that, not just a movie that has like straight up dialogue between characters and you know events that happen or things.
things like that. Right, and what is depicted on screen is what actually is happening in the movie, that kind of thing. So yeah, I think that that's... Or like, I don't know, there, I think like art, there one art? movie that was just like one long shot through a building or something like that? Like, I, I'd Russian expect art. that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. That's what I would think of as an art movie, something I mean, that is much true. stranger or more conceptual <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, I, I think... I don't know. I, I think it's a problematic term. It is. It's, it can be used to like so describe so many things, and yeah. like commercial filmmaking is not art by its nature. Like it is an industrial process that well, is I don't commercialized. Know if I, agree with that. I, I well, I don't. I don't want to get into like a grad, <laughs> grad school argument about it, but like I, I don't know. Like for me, like it, it just like I guess like a true art film is just something that like makes you feel uncomfortable in in ways that like maybe you haven't seen before and I, I think this film like does do that like the characters of Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck are so Brad Pitt like very quickly becomes very menacing in this film and then and he, he isn't and then he is again right? yeah. like he's all, he yeah, yeah. turns it off and on well, I feel yeah, like yeah. when you when you see him be menacing the first time you can't shake that yeah. for the rest of the movie because you know what's underneath that's exactly yeah. true yeah, yeah exactly so I never feel like unmenaced after that the first part <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh, and then Casey Affleck like he's so creepy yeah. Like in this it's movie. such a little weirdo. And yeah, and so those like character portrayals are. You know, like, I haven't seen him in other movies, so I don't have anything to compare. I don't know if he's just like this, or if that's the brilliance of his acting. Uh, yeah, you should check out Gone Baby Gone yeah. um, and Manchester by the Sea. I guess I should assume that that's the brilliance of his acting. Yeah, I mean, he is yeah. he is very good. Um, but yeah, I think that like discomfort with like the characters, and you're so in the characters' world in this movie, right? Because it's such a stark world. Yeah. There's only like. 10 characters that really inhabit it and mm -hmm. between them you can like feel the sense of like dread that and, is coming for them yeah, yeah. And isolation right like it yeah. has these really big cold landscape shots with like two people yeah it's the Dr. Shivago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, wait Charles have you seen Dr. Shivago? no okay I'm probably saying it wrong too Shivago. Right? yeah I think that's Shivago. <laughs> yeah something there um, right well I don't feel like being unsettled with their characters is anything different from I've seen from other you know, movies with characters like that. I don't think that's a unique aspect of this. No, I, I agree. To your definition of art movie. When I when I, I realize that that art film is a, is a loaded term, right? Like you can kind of insert on not whatever you want, but a lot of things into it to fit whatever meaning you need. Well, but I'm, when I use it, I what I mean is that it's a movie that has that it's delivering something meaningful before everything else. It's, right, like it's it is the, it's it's art before it's commerce. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like it's yeah. it's purposely not commercial. Yeah, material. Yeah, I mean, and right? this and very consciously in this movie, this was in theaters for like an afternoon. Like, yeah, it was like not promoted at all. And then it got right? nominated for like best picture, right? And no, so like, it oh, didn't. Did it? I, it got nominated. I think that um, it was a loaded year. the director and lead actor got some buzz. But it was not nominated for Best Picture. Really? Because it, it, it comes out of that year really well, then. It, later. Like, yeah. it, it, it takes a while for these, like, assassination of Jesse James revivals to happen. Because I knew, like, there will be blood kind of dominated that uh -huh. year. Yeah, and like, no everybody country. thought it was between that and No Country for Old Men. Yeah, which it was. Yeah. But, it, yeah, this movie didn't. It, it didn't have any of the buzz. It didn't have any. It didn't make any money. Well, it's hard to watch. Like, it's a, it's a <laughs> yeah. really long film. Like, I did like a lot of laundry while watching this film and <laughs> that, that was like not enough to like watch the whole film oh, like i finished laundry and kept watching the film yeah <laughs> like, more movie coming. it's yeah so. it comes in at 240 
Yeah. Wait, had, yeah. You, had you seen it before this movie? Yeah, I had, I had seen it before this movie. Um, but I, it wasn't as special to me as it was to Wilson. I heard this movie very but, dear. Yes. Um, I, I find it actually like pretty boring. Yeah, which I uh, get why like, people would think that. Like I, I understand like the artistry of, of the film and uh, the character depictions by the actors is incredible. Mm-hmm. It is a long movie though. It comes, yeah. it, 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 for me, it's a very yeah. crisp two forty. Like it, <laughs> it really <laughs> just moves along. It does, it does. Like I really do feel no, that. Like, it has it, a real to me like pace. In, yeah. Interstellar was like oh, well over two, and that movie moved. That movie's awful. What? <laughs> is not okay. It's not awful, but it's not good. I mm, okay. <laughs> I like it. I would prefer to watch Interstellar than this movie. That is pure insanity. <laughs> what Interstellar is more outright like entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to talk about yeah, yeah. Interstellar. Let's not get too um, yeah. All right. So let's talk about the beginning, right? The train heist scene, right? Because to me, I that I think that scene is. Gorgeous. I think that it looks like how Westerns look. I think that he's doing something really typically Western with it. And well, it, Charles, have you, you know, seen a lot of Westerns? Or? No, I've never really gotten into the genre because I'm not too excited by the setting. Um, so I just haven't gone around to seeing very many Westerns. Like, what comes to mind like, when, you, about when we say like, like Western? You know, good, bad, and ugly. That's a good example. Yeah. Well, Great John, example. John Wayne. Yeah, John Wayne. Stagecoach. Right, like, shot in Italy. Yes, shot in Italy. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, I, I can't Italians. say I know too many examples, but I know the general like stereotype of what a Western should look like. You know, usually out in like the Arizona desert. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, riding a horse with a big hat, uh, <laughs> shooting your guns around. You know that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, totally. Right, and and you probably just by osmosis know a lot of the tropes of the genre. Yeah, as, as it's well. hard to avoid. Right, and you can draw a pretty straight line from 1930s, 40s, 50s era. Westerns, like the, the ones that were really concerned with the hero myth, you can draw a straight line from those movies to modern superhero movies, right? And it's relatively mm-hmm. unbroken. Uh, so I, I think even just growing up around American cinema and American Hollywood cinema, you kind of know Westerns even if you don't see that many of them, right? They're kind of baked into the movies that we watch. Yeah, and, the references show up all over the place too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, Han Solo is very much like a cowboy in yes. Star Wars. Yes. And, you get a lot of references from Toy Story. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the most Western I watched. <laughs> <laughs> Toy Story, yes, Western. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with Westerns. So. No. It just, um, <laughs> just a little segment where Andy's playing with Woody and doing a little Well, he's, he's a cowboy. That's yeah, a, exactly. That's add-on. You got a little mini Western there. Right. Well, I mean, one of the major tropes of the West, or one of the common set pieces in Westerns is the train heist. Right? The train yeah. heist is, is definitely a thing. Um, and I see it happen at the beginning of this movie, and it feels like the film is just saying, yeah, we can do it. See, I right. wanted to note some... The, the train scene seemed a little strange to me. Now, it, I acknowledge it was beautifully shot. I love the scene where the train is showing up, and you see the light coming oh, down from gorgeous. the end, and the light seeping yeah. through the trees. It's yeah, beautiful. Is, you really got yeah. Brad Pitt's silhouette yes. against the train Standing light. Standing on the barrier. Yeah, that yes. was amazing stuff. Yeah. But it's very different from what I expect a train heist scene in a Western to look like. I usually expect it to be, you know, in the middle of the day, and they're riding horses along the train or something like that. Yep. In the middle of, like, a really broad and flat desert. Instead of, you know, in the middle of this very tight and claustrophobic space in the middle of a forest. Yeah. Uh, to, to be honest, the forest is not, like, 
even in the top ten list of settings I expect to see <laughs> when I yeah. travel Western. Yeah, I agree. And yet, right off the bat, they're in this forest. Yeah, and I, I think that you know that, having not seen Westerns, speaks to how much Western genre tropes have infiltrated our pop culture consciousness. Well, yeah. And the movie also, like, mostly takes place during the winter, yes. which is not a like, Western trip at all. No. Because right. mostly it's a southwestern. But it's like, all right, I did yeah. see just Hateful like, Eight. I guess that kind of counts. As that West definitely thing. counts as western. And the Hateful Eight's probably very yeah. influenced by this movie. Just like yeah. the the like wide landscape shots. It's also in the winter. Yeah. You get this also yeah. like this sort of hopelessness. Yeah, I mean, well, Tarantino's also like fucking with us, but <laughs> yeah, endlessly. Well, yeah. his last two movies really, because there was Hateful Eight, and then Django is definitely a western as well. Yeah, right? like he he's also drawing on this meta western, anti western. Genre, subgenre that has been has propped up yeah, even in Inglorious Bastards it comes years. up like, yeah. yeah yeah so yeah so yeah. I mean it, it's everywhere um, so when I see that when I see those kind of landscapes right and how they're because westerns are famous for these shots of America's wilderness right yeah. like it's, it's this American genre yeah, there's right. also, like, the train is important because there's, just, like, this tension between, like, the civilized America yeah. and the wild America and sort of, like, the two of them are meeting. Like, it's, it's like the conquering of, like, the wild America of the right. and uncivilized you have, America. Right, and, well, yeah. and yeah. old America, new, new America, because you have the Jeremy Renner character singing the Civil War song right before the train shows up. You yeah. know that Jesse James is a Confederate loyalist, right? So it's this, here's modernism, right? Like, yeah. here's the new world. Your world is ending. Yeah, I think today, I don't know, I'd almost want to know more about, like, the Confederate part of Jesse James, because that's, like, today, like, more relevant. Yeah, uh, now, in 2016. Yeah, because they, yes. they gloss over that, like, pretty quickly, yeah. but, you know, like, in you real life, really he was, like, right. he was like, fighting for the Confederacy after they lost, Yeah. Uh, and then became this this outlaw. Yeah, well, and, uh, and, of course, Westerns at large are... I mean, so the Civil War is so much a part of Westerns in general. Right. right. It's kind of always haunting the genre. And he, I think they're nodding to that here, but saying that his yeah. his war is much more internal, right? Like, what was really tormenting him was not the Confederacy losing. It was his manic depression, mental illness, right? Like, that's what was his real problem. Yeah. yeah. Brought on by the oncoming modernism, by his way of life ending, by you know his paranoia, right? And so on and so on and so on. Yeah. So I think that that's what they're juxtaposing is both his manic depressive tendencies with his Confederate loyalties, but on the same token, we have these what I was mentioning before big American landscapes in the Southwest that you see in a movie like The Wild Bunch or The Searchers. Uh, Charles, have you seen The Wild Bunch? No. Or The Searchers? <laughs> I think we know we haven't seen The Searchers, but we're we're, we're, juxta we're juxtaposing that with these really stark, desolate cold, isolating landscapes. And it makes a lot of sense because in a traditional Western like Stagecoach, for instance, you see guys gathering up a group, setting out and accomplishing some adventure. Whereas in this movie, as Jesse and Ford become more and more isolated, he's killing people off, right? He starts with the group and they're picked off one by one by him as the movie progresses yeah. until Ford's the only one left. And I think that that is this movie being in conversation with the Western as a genre, as well as that era, as it moves forward into a modern uh, To culture. me, this feels, like, very close to, like, Dr. Zhivago, though. Just, like, just the way that... The, the landscapes in, in Dr. Zhivago, totally. which is, like, yeah. Russia in the winter during, like, the worst part of the communist regime, where the yeah. country's just completely broke, 
everybody's like, super poor. It's like right and, after the October. And being like conscripted into the army and running from the government before it becomes like a totalitarian. totalitarian uh, totalitarian. Yeah, regime. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, this movie like feels like it kind of steals liberally from Doctor Shiva. Yeah, well, especially in its tone. Right? Yeah, like I think that tonally it has a lot going on there. Yeah, um, but, but I think Charles is right that like it's kind of the opposite of the Western. Yeah, right, where it's like, well, it's. I mean, I think it, yeah, it's intentionally inverting a lot of what yeah, we expect. Like it's not fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, speaking of yeah. that, I feel like in Western they yeah. usually pick the quote unquote yeah. interesting parts of the Western. Yeah. Uh, landscape, right? You get like all the fancy canyons and rock outcroppings and that kind of yeah. thing. Right? Yeah. And here you just get like a normal flat snow. Plains. You get a normal forest. It's kind yeah. of boring. You get this very flat plain. Yeah. It looks like a nuclear winter. Yeah, or yeah. Like, there's literally one scene with interesting yeah. scenery, which is like the mountain. That's that the one. It. I mean, that's stunning, right? It when is. he goes out onto the frozen pond. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the first time they really articulate James's um, suicide, right? Like yeah. they. they they say right there that he's going to kill himself, which is really what happens at the end of this movie. Yeah. yeah. And um, this is kind of like, it's the opposite of Tombstone, right? That's, that's the opposite <laughs> of so many movies. Yeah, but like yeah. Tombstone in particular, right? It's like, yeah. Tombstone is like every good actor of its era. Yeah. It's super fun. Yeah. yeah. It's wildly violent and yeah. like, every, like so much action. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and, well, and it, it hits typical narrative beats. Because to me, that's... Of the Western, yeah. Of the Western, yeah. of, you yeah. know... Hollywood cinema in general, right? Charles, you haven't seen Tombstone, right? I have not. Okay, well, we you, should do that because that's it's that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a fun. To juxtapose this one, yeah, that would yeah. make perfect sense. Because I mean, in that movie, or I mean, really, pick a western, pick an action movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. what moves the narrative forward are events, right? Like, we a, a thing happens and it goes forward. A thing happens and it goes forward. Yeah. And here we still have those events that, like you mentioned in your plot summary, but what really is moving this narrative forward and what the movie is concentrating on is the characters, right? And, like, what they're feeling, right? It's so much about how... See, it's strange, because I noticed that some of the events that seem to be driving the plot happen off-screen. Yeah, yeah, like, totally implied. Yeah. Like, yes. Jesse James is running around, um, he, like, shows up at one of his crew's houses, and they talk about some other guy named, like, Jim Cummings, Cummings or who never like shows that, up on screen. who's not on screen, so I'm like, who the hell is that? Yeah. And at that point, I think I'm still confused, because they didn't, like, go out and say who each person's name was in their... Gang? No, you have to pick it up. Like they'll, right, they'll I had, I had to retroactively figure out what their names were. Yeah, after. I, I have then, IMDb open because I, yeah. I can't remember anything. And it was further <laughs> difficult because yeah. they speak with these heavy accents that are very mumbly and drawly, right? And so right. It, Particularly it, it, it was, yeah. Right, it was extra difficult to figure out what they were saying. So at this point, I was very confused by like who this Jim Cummins guy was, if it was some guy we'd already met. Um, you know, He'd already found out this information like, before that scene had happened, and that seems to be what's driving his suspicion to kill yep. his fellow gang members. Yep. And this all just happened without your knowing, and he's talking about it in the past tense. Yeah, like That was a little strange. It's delivered in a line, right? Yeah. Like, just in the middle of a conversation. Yeah. And and I think that, I mean, that's not an accident. I, I, don't, I credit the movie for that. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. fault the movie, because I, I feel what the screenwriter and the director are doing there is really directing your attention, right? They're saying that it's not about these events that are happening, like the stuff that's happening off screen is happening well, off screen for a reason. In that scene in particular, though, you're like, is Brad Pitt going to kill a kid? Like, right. I yeah, think he's going to kill a kid. Right. Yeah. That's it. And, and <laughs> you're, he's driving himself and being driven right to the edge there. And it, yeah. It, 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 if, if you were unsure at that point, it's pretty clear that he's a bad well, I re- dude. I was also referring to before when he shows up that, I don't remember the actor's name, Little is the character's name. Dick no, Little. not Dick, Dick Little. Little. It wasn't Ed, Little. It was Ed. the other Oh, yeah, yeah. It was the other guy. Um, 
the guy's like alone and looking really sick. Yeah, and he takes him out for dinner, and they end up going under the stars, as you find out later, and he shoots him. Yeah, like, you only find, find that like, out later, like but you later. you kind of figure after he asks him to go out that he's gonna kill him. Yeah, right? well, you don't know like who's killed or not though, because again, you're you know, like it all happens off screen. Because like Dick yeah. Little like survives his encounter with Jesse James, right? And Ed doesn't. And Ed doesn't. But they don't. You don't know who yeah. does and who doesn't. Yeah, until much later on. Yeah, and I, I think to the effect that that has on the audience is yeah, it's confusing, but it also shrouds Jesse in mystery. Right, it's that he is this mythical figure who is being brought down to earth, but he is still unpredictable. Right, he, he, you still don't know what he's doing, and we're, so we're placed in the same position as Rob Ford or his brother or anybody else in the gang who are thinking, "What is this lunatic going to do next? <laughs> am I am I next on the hit list here?" And and for me, that's really effective, especially in that scene where he goes to see Ed Miller, and you see him like he has that John Ford doorway shot. Yeah. season approaching. There were a bunch of those. There were a few of them, yeah, also no mistake. And he's so menacing, right? He's yeah. just such, so threatening. And he, and especially juxtaposed to Ed Miller's decrepit, you know, near-death, <laughs> you know, look, uh, to see Jesse just so, uh, not, not quite full of life, but sharp and, yeah. and with it. Like, it, it, it is an interesting angle of this character who's in the next scene going to be contemplating suicide, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of speaks to Brad Pitt's <clears throat> acting that yeah, in the first scene totally. where he talks to Ed Miller, like, you don't know at that point yet that he's suspicious of his fellow gang members yeah. and he's going to be, like, trying to kill them off or whatever. But you kind of immediately figure it out yes. by how Jesse James is carrying himself um, and how they're interacting together, yeah, him and Ed. He is, he is he immediately... It together through his acting. Yeah, immediately projecting suspicion onto Ed. Yeah, yeah, I think every now and then Brad Pitt does a movie. It reminds us that he's a really good actor. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think this is his best performance. Full stop. Like I think it's the best performance. Just like, like what else is? I mean, created. I think that Inglorious Bastards might contend. Yeah, he's um, really good in that. He is really good in that. He um, pulled a, his uh, like Fight Club laugh into this movie. Oh yeah, too. I mean because there are similarities between Jesse James and Tyler Durden, right? Like they they have. I'm not joking, right? Like they they yeah. really do have, yeah. have things in common in terms of just being this. Icon of masculinity. Charles, have you seen Fight Club? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was about to spoil Fight Club. <laughs> well, you, you went. You went to college. So you <laughs> yeah. Saw Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think that there are. I think he is drawing on that, and I think he's drawing on like the Brad Pitt as the you know ideal of masculinity. Yeah. Uh, within the the public consciousness. Oh, Burn After Reading is really good. <laughs> yeah, that movie's yeah. great. <laughs> he plays like such an idiot. Yeah, have you seen Burn I After? I have not reading? seen that. Yeah, uh, that's a that is a good one. That one's really funny. I think it's oh. probably, like one of the funniest Coen Brothers movies. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think he's right in that movie. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think of the voiceover? I don't know if it stood out as something particularly special. Like it was, like I can appreciate what it's trying to do. Like it's trying to. What did, I mean, I think there's a lot of readings as to what it's trying to do. So what? Did, how did you like read it? You get the impression that they're trying to establish the kind of myth of mm-hmm. Jesse James, right? Like they have the the narration at the beginning, and it doesn't entirely line up with what they're showing on screen of Jesse James. Like I noted, it was really weird when they mentioned his eyelids and how he had to blink a lot. He's literally sitting there not blinking on screen. <laughs> yeah, but the line that I wrote down. What's the line that they have there? As though creation were slightly more than he could accept. Right. That's such a great line. And, and, and well, I, 
I, for me, it's just like, this is coming from a book. Yeah. And so it's meant to evoke, it's probably word for word from the book. I haven't read the book. It, but. it, the way it comes across in the movie is very literary. Yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. The lines themselves. Yeah. And I'd assume they're lifted directly from I, the book. I, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And it's a well-known book. It's mm-hmm. like, even though it was made in 80, or written in 83, mm-hmm. um, but I guess it was like, kind of, uh, it was like a big deal of its time, because it was like incredibly researched, but it was fiction, but it was based on real events. Right, yeah, but still Um, it presented in a, I mean, in the same tone that this voiceover was, obviously. Yeah, and kind of like, sort of like an E.L. Doctorow way of writing, in that like, it's based on real events, Mm -hmm. but like, Mm -hmm. fiction, so. To to me, the voiceover is one of the odder parts of the movie. But it, it works yeah. for the movie. It does, definitely yeah, does. I don't like have, really I, well. I think it does work really well, but I, and I think it has a lot of strange effects because you're right that it does disagree with the events in the film sometimes, but it also has this distancing effect, right? Because the words themselves are one thing, right? Like yeah. the, that he's using phrases like reality is a little bit more than you can accept, right? But it is delivered, like the delivery of the lines themselves reminds me of like Burns documentary. Right? Yeah, and it's it's meant to sound like a historian yes, reading. That. Yes, which is exactly what it sounds right. like. But in a, in a way, nothing that a historian could ever know, right? Because like it talks yeah. about things that the characters are thinking. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it goes inside yeah. of them a lot, which makes yeah. it important because that's what we need to know to understand. Yeah, this movie. I think the movie would be like unwashable without it. I think, <laughs> right, actually, because yes. you would have like no, you'd be so lost, nearly incoherent. Yeah. and it's so yeah. It, yeah, it has like it, it serves that functional role of just telling us the information we didn't need to know to put this stuff together. Yeah. And but it also has this dis- distancing effect in this movie about our heroes not living up to our expectations, right? It's wait a minute, don't get too close to these people. Like you're look at it from a historical perspective, look at it from a arm's length. Yeah. And I think that that's important. And then it's just because the movie, the way the film is shot, it uses a lot of these iris lenses, right? It's this soft filter all the time. It's these yeah. big, co- these contrasts and lighting all over the place. Again, Doctor Zhivago. Again, Doctor Zhivago, yeah. right? So yeah. it's it it has this dreamlike quality to it, right? Yep. And which is another weird juxtaposition with this voiceover that is delivering information to you. I, and I'm I'm not sure if I really put it all together yet, but it's. The way it adds up is effective, and the way it adds up is necessary for the movie to be what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad that we're on the same page there. No, I, yeah, again, I think without it, it would just be completely unwatchable as a movie. Yeah, yeah, I, like, I agree. So incoherent without it. One thing that was really distracting for me was uh, Mary Louise Parker in the role of because Jesse it was James Mary Parker. Yeah. And she's like so underutilized <laughs> I, in the yeah, movie. Yeah. And such a great actor. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think and like she's so good looking and like she like she's so distracting in all the scenes cuz You know, it was it, ironic cuz I felt distracted by a lot of the other actors that I've seen in other contexts and only know of in other contexts like yeah. I was very distracted by Dick Little because I've only seen him in Parks and Rec and we know him <laughs> as the guy who made season 1 really shitty. I don't think he, he would, you, you think, you think he's the reason season one was bad? Well, I didn't go back and like reanalyze season one, but he <laughs> seems to be the reason that many yeah. people cite it as not being a very good well, season. Okay. And so I just see him as that guy. And then I see him on screen there and it was kind of distracting. Or like 
Ed Miller, I've only seen him on that like very short-lived Terminator TV show. He was in some sitcom on Fox for a while. <laughs> I don't remember him in the Terminator show. Who was in the Terminator? <laughs> he was. I like that show I, too. I, I, I think he was the Terminator. Oh, he was the Terminator. On the show, yeah. That's insane. I think so. <laughs> uh, um, and so that was kind of distracting. Um, or Jeremy Renner's kind Jeremy, of distracting. Jeremy Renner. Just him as like Hawkeye. Yeah, well, and movie. I don't think Sam Rockwell is distracting, but Sam Sam, Sam Rockwell blends in much better. I think the cast is like too good looking for the movie. Right? <laughs> I think they're too famous. Kind no. of. I don't think. No, I think I don't they're think... too good looking. Like the cowboys in real life would be disfigured. Like they're always cast as good looking. Yeah. yeah. I think it's super important that Jesse James is very good looking. Oh uh, yeah. Right? Like that's yeah. critical to the yeah. text of the movie. But I mean, come on, you can level that at. <laughs> I, I know that's movies <laughs> in general. Yeah, but actors uh, are Casey Affleck's a little weird looking. It, yeah, he's kind of weaselly. Yeah. Mary Louise yeah. Parker is like very distracting. Yeah. Though, because she's okay. so okay. underutilized and a great actor. And well, I think like, she is underutilized, but yeah. she has two really great moments. I think when at the end, both at the end of the movie, when yeah. uh, Bob shows up. And she like, and she says, "Oh, you didn't tell me Bob would be here." And she like gives him this really deadpan, like, "Hi, Bob," and like yeah. clearly <laughs> is not interested in him being yeah. in their house. <laughs> yeah. And then the other great moment she has is that the further along after Jesse has been killed, and she's sitting in the front row at the viewing gallery, so fucked up. And yeah. she's just and the, just the look of stark horror on her face yeah. when she sees his body and like all of these people just like taking pictures of it and, like, like treating the, it like a tourist attraction. It literally right. was a tourist attraction. Right, I mean, th- that's what the line in the, the voiceover says. Right, it was alongside, that's what we're alongside the Roman Colosseum and the pyramids of Giza and all yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it, that harkens, it's such, a, like, a weird time in history, right? Because it's, like, America is, like, becoming civilized, but it's so uncivilized at the time. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, the, the country just, like, literally murdered half the country. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. things like and this were happening. Like, dead process. bodies were like tourist attractions. Right, right. I did not realize before this movie that that's what happened to Jesse James. Yeah, yeah. It's I insane. never I didn't know his story, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, I didn't know it either before I saw this movie back in 2007. But um, yeah, that is insane. And um, I think it is also kind of the very early buds of celebrity culture. Right, that you see. Yeah, I mean that's really movie. what the movie's about, right? That's it's one of like, several I think I things. I read that somewhere that, about, but yeah. that Jesse James would be considered America's first celebrity in a way. That's yeah. Well, I'm him and Ford, right? Because the movie itself points out that Ford would be recognized by more citizens than the president, and he was this famous actor following the assassination. Um, so it's really the the both of them, right? Are these these major figures? Um, but Jesse wasn't deaf, and Ford wasn't blind. And that, so to me, yeah, that is a major theme of the movie that we're looking at how celebrity culture came to be. Um, and that, that is interesting to me because it is so divorced from what actually happened, which is the other major theme of the movie, right? Like that, the, the, what's the famous line? That history is just a bundle of agreed upon lies. And well, yeah, you said in the movie, you can, you can hide a lot behind vocabulary, right? Yeah, 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 which is a, Right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, in real life, the Jesse brothers are, or the James brothers are monsters, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, they're just straight-up criminals. And yeah. in the movie, too. Like, he's, he's killed all these people. Um, he's he was about to shoot the defenseless guy on the train. Right? right, he almost killed the kid in the barn. Yeah, he was going to shoot the train conductor. I mean, like, like, they gave Robert Ford a lot of shit for shooting in, in uh, unde- unarmed uh, Jesse James, right. and they call him a coward for that, but Jesse James has probably shot plenty of unarmed people. 17, they said on the movie. 17 murders. I don't know how many of them were unarmed. Right. 
but yeah. um, he was about to shoot the guy in the train. Right. Uh, but and then, of course, also, the title of the movie itself is a lie, right? It wasn't an assassination, right? It, 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 he wasn't a coward, right? Like, it was clearly, it was an act of bravery for him to kill Jesse James. Well, no, they imply, well, they talk about in the movie, right, that, like, he is a coward because he's doing it out of fear. Is he? Like, that's the thing. Like, well, is, he's, yeah, he, totally. they're terrified of minutes to Zoe Deschanel, who is also really out of place. Yeah, yeah, that was another like, like this super distracting. One of her first roles ever, right? Yeah, like, they, they right. Just, like, it, it's weird her. to go back and yeah. see her in this without bangs and like yeah. <laughs> doing her burlesque dance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, doesn't have a tiny guitar for some reason. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. one of his fans. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, but I, I think that was his reasoning, right? Like that's how he justified doing it. But Jesse was begging for it, right? It was a suicide. It yeah, was, totally. Because it's insane, like what he does. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's it was, it was like only like, automatic depression. Just gonna put my guns down yeah. right here. Right here. He hands him the murder weapon the day before. Yeah. yeah. Right. Gives it to him as a gift. Makes sure that it's gonna work. Right. He sees him in the reflection, in the in the, the painting on the or the frame. Right. Yeah. He, he knows that it's gonna happen. The way that he stands on the, the chair and it kicks out from underneath him, as though he were hanged. Yeah. Right. Like it. It all looks. Mm-hmm. It, it's the imagery of suicide. And he talks about suicide explicitly before that. So it's not an assassination, right? It's yeah. him putting his friend out of his misery. And I don't know. It's, they're not friends, though, right? Right. Like, well, his, his, the, his hero, the person that he admires. Yeah, I guess. But it's like... Yeah. So, so I think that one of the points that the... Um, the film is making is that history is full of lies and including the title of this movie, right? Like, I really think that's what it's getting at, because I, I don't think it was cowardly and I don't think it was an assassination. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, going back to whether or not they're friends, though, it's like, he he's like a... Yeah, they're not friends. They're not, not friends. That, that was not like, the word I wanted. Yeah. Okay, was, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, yeah, not his friend, <laughs> he's but like, his hero. His hero. Right? Like, he looked Not just that, him. but he's like, oddly obsessed with him. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. somebody he's stalking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even the day he yeah. did it, he was still like stalking around Jesse James' bedroom yes. and pretending yes. he didn't have a finger. Yeah, holding his finger up to the light and like taking his smell in his bed and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, so he was still just wanted to be Jesse James, right? And he and that line occurs earlier in the movie too. If you want to be like me, or you want to be me. Yeah, and so I, I to say that he was being a coward when he killed Jesse, like that's not true. Right, like that's just not what happened, and I think that that's that's critical. Is that that Robert Ford has been misrepresented? Yeah, but I think that's history. like the perception of the time period. Yeah, right? absolutely. Right? That like if yeah. you do something out of fear, that makes you cowardly. Yeah, well, yeah, there's yeah, that's why he was called a coward, right? Yeah. And that he shot him in the back, right? And that's that's not a good thing. And that he led him into his home and fed him, and he killed him anyway, right? But they don't have the context of this being an act of suicide, which leads to like my favorite cameo in the film. Uh, Nick Cave oh, yeah. as, the, <laughs> as the singer in the bar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know who that is. He's a, I think he's Australian. Seeds. Yeah, he's a I rocker. He, he came and, from outer space. Yeah, Nick, yeah. Nick, his albums are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he also did the soundtrack with another guy. Yeah, um, but the soundtrack is stunning. Yeah, apparently it's yeah. gone on to like sell as like an album. I believe it, because it's, it's so evocative of just everything this movie is trying to bring out. Yeah. yeah, that song is great though, and it's yeah. so great that it's Nick Cave because <laughs> yeah. uh, he's such like, <coughs> like, 
like uh, like hell and like demons are well, like very so thematic dark. of his movie yeah, yeah. or of his music. And yeah, like, it's yeah. dark, angry, and sad all the time. And it, it's it's sung so well. He's such a good singer. Yeah, he's a musician. He's a yeah. pro, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And well, and that also brings us to really the that last act after Jesse is killed is probably the most important in the movie. And I don't. I before I dive in, like I don't. Charles, what did you think of that last, where the voiceover really takes over and the timeline is accelerated substantially? I mean, did you have a... How did you feel watching that? Um, this is in hour three of the I movie. mean, a lot of this movie was me trying to catch up with what was happening on screen and like trying to internalize and process what was happening. And so it felt like a bit of a struggle to keep up a lot of the time. Um, Much like it felt for Robert Ford, I'm sure. I guess so. <laughs> But uh, I was, I guess I was kind of startled by what happened to, like, I already mentioned this before, but I was, I was really startled by what happened to Jesse James's body, uh, yeah. that they were parading him around, uh, or that uh, Robert Ford would reenact it on stage. It seemed kind of preposterous. 800 times. 800 times, apparently. Yeah. Isn't that insane? That it is, is really insane. That's so they could gross, do that. right? Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. The fact that that actually happened is like, Again, like, we feel so civilized, but this is, like, pretty recent history. Right actually. before the turn of the century. Yeah. This would have been, like, the 1880s, something like that. Yeah, that's... Yeah. 1890s. It's so... Yeah. Disturbing. Yes, yeah. it is. Like, I guess I couldn't help but feel bad for Robert Ford, since, mm -hmm. like, he's this outcast who has, for his whole life, wanted to gain the admiration and respect of his peers, and, you know, he tried to do it by killing Jesse James, and just gets the exact opposite result in yeah, I mean, well, and his his motivations and what he was seeking are so layered and and so complex. Because on the one hand, yeah, he was seeking the glory, and like this is how you do it, you kill the big outlaw. But he was also afraid, right? He he probably really did think that there was a chance he was going to die. He also yeah. really did think that Jesse was asking him to kill him. So he has all of these conflicting. He also wants to yeah. be. Jesse yeah, James. he also wants to take his place, right? Like yeah. literally walk up there and take his place. Yeah. And so yeah. it's this great irony that he ends up reenacting the assassination 800 plus times and it's his brother that takes Jesse James's place right yeah. but his brother that the one that was always the chosen one in Jesse's eyes over him and he gets to play the role of the teller 800 times in a row and he gets to play himself doing a thing in a way that it didn't really happen and so it's this really uh, for me this meta commentary on both the events in the film history itself acting itself art as representation of history and mm -hmm all mediated through this voiceover. So I don't know, Cross, what did you think of it? Yeah, I think that the end of the movie is, like, the more interesting part of the movie for me. Like, I, I think this, like, showing, like, how society reacts to what happens and sort of the notions of celebrity, like, come in really heavy at, mm -hmm. at the end. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then... Kind of showing his brother how his brother like kills himself is like super Jesus. messed up. And yeah, like, Sam Rockwell. Yeah, that's that's when it when it gets like really dark. It's like okay, now this movie's like a lot more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't dark enough for you at that point. No, that that, that, that is like probably the lowest point in the film. Right? Yeah. Where, yeah, yeah, when yeah. he shoots himself in the heart. Right, he doesn't even. Uh, it yeah. looks like he's gonna <laughs> go for the mouth, and he shoots himself in the heart, and it's like, man, you're not doing doing yourself any favors here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, I like how it, how it ends, so they get to, uh, you know, he's out west, and they show the guys coming in the bar, but then they don't show the actual he turns around killing. freeze frame. Well, and it's, yeah. it's pretty clear what that's referencing, right? The freeze frame is straight out of 400 blows. 
Uh, I wouldn't have known that. Oh, have you yeah. seen Foreigner Blows? No. Okay, Foreigner Blows is one of the big French New Wave films, and it ends with the, with the freeze frame. Spoiler. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. With the, spoiler for a you know fifty year old movie. <laughs> it's about this rambunctious kid who ends up in like a plaster home, and he runs away. And the last shot is him on a beach, experiencing freedom for the first time in a while. And he turns towards the camera, and it freeze frames like right on this really intense look that he has. And it clearly was improvised, clearly wasn't in the script, and it, this evokes that same feeling. It's, it feels a lot like this coming-of-age story that is 400 Blows, but rather than coming of age, he has died. Gotcha. Right? Like, and, um, yeah, I, I didn't know the reference, but I, I like the end of the film, I thought. Yeah, I, well, you should, you should check out 400 Blows then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like about an hour could have been cut out of the I, I think yeah. I think that there are definitely yeah. you could have cut this probably by a good twenty or thirty minutes. I don't know if it would have improved <laughs> it. I don't I don't think it would have improved it. Um, I want more of this movie. I want I, I, I want to take in everything that's going on here. Um, I want to look at it. I'm like I'm happy to watch this film. I don't know if I'll watch it again in the near future. It, it is a slog for me. This kind of film. I mean, when you say slog, do you mean long or do you mean something else? I think it's arduous to watch it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. because it's challenging, because you don't like yeah, it? Yeah, it's like emotionally, yeah, it's, it's emo- okay, so it's a huge bummer for three hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 240. 240. Yeah, well, it felt like five. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's slow. I, I think the acting is amazing. I think the cinematography is amazing. I think the end of the movie is incredible. It, it just takes a while to get there. And I don't know. It's just not my like favorite kind of movie. I'll watch. Yeah, no, I'll, I get that. I, get I will watch this kind of yes. movie and appreciate it. And I, I feel like I understand why it's a good movie. But this this is not the kind of movie that I seek out. Oh, but I, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I don't want to say I feel the opposite because I agree with a lot of what you said. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the part about it looking beautiful and the acting being great. Yeah. But this is exactly the kind of movie I seek out. Like when BBC did their um, poll of critics for the number one, their favorite movies of the 21st century. Like, this is the one that sprang to mind for me. I was like, oh, Assassination of Jesse James. Do you know where it ranked in there? It was up there. Um, it was it was definitely on the list. I don't remember if it was on the top or the bottom half. Because it doesn't have a perfect score. No. Like, people, I remember looking uh, I mean, at Rotten Tomatoes, it was like 85 or something. Yeah, I mean, it Let's did say. not have a lot of buzz coming out. Like I said, it was barely in theaters at all. Um, and a lot of critics reacted what you did. They were saying, like, this could be substantially... Yeah, it's 76. So it's, like, yeah. that's kind of middling for, like, a good movie on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think what so. it really is... I mean, Rotten Tomatoes is a good measure of consensus more than quality. Really. Yeah, I mean, that's, right. like, how the algorithm works. Yeah, yeah, and this is a... Divisive. It's not even really an algorithm. It's yeah, just like, it's just... They're counting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it's, like... There's probably a lot of critics that disagree the same way that you Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I read a few of the reviews, and that's what people said. That yeah, and I'm sure that there are people. Boring. Yeah, there are, there are probably people who feel the way you felt and gave it a, a rotten, right? Like I'm sure that that happened. Um, well, whether or not you would, or not. the rotten rating is not like even correct either, because it's like Rotten Tomatoes editors reading reviews no, no, and no. then marking it. No, it's the critics tell them. They, oh they, really? Yeah, they say this is rotten. This is fresh. Yep. Really? Because some of them seem to disagree sometimes, but. I mean, that's what, just like, I, that's what I have heard from critics. Be less nuanced in their, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in their reviews. <laughs> this is what I've heard from critics, is that they just tell Rotten Tomatoes this is oh. a rotten or a fresh review. I didn't know that. I, yeah. I'm, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, so, for, what's that, for whatever that's worth, um, that, that's, 
that's how it works. I don't like. I don't think this movie's bad. I'm just like, if I have an afternoon and like it's on TV, I'm not gonna be like, all right, my afternoon is <laughs> set <laughs> now. A, a versus oh, not like, it's on TV because then it would really you flipped be it on TNT and you're like, oh okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, TNT is never gonna show this movie. Yeah, yeah. But like, if like Independence Day is on, I'm like, all right, afternoon. Plans all that. set. We've really articulated our difference in taste just now. <laughs> Wait, Charles, have you seen Independence Day? Of course. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I mean, you haven't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, so right. yeah, like, I know. I know. Any, but anything is reasonable to ask at this point, right? <laughs> How did you feel? You, I, I, my guess is that you're probably closer to Crossman on this one. I'm, very, I'm almost exactly where Crossman is here. Where okay, I, I can tell where this movie is very well made. Um, Thinking about it more has really brought out some of the themes and ideas that the movie was trying to communicate. Uh, and obviously, I, I do appreciate the cinematography and acting a lot. I could tell what they were doing. I could tell how well it was done. But at the same time, it felt a lot like reading assigned literature in class, where you know you know <laughs> this that was there's. Assigned. I know, I know, but like you know what I mean, right? Like, like I a lot of the times I know it's well done. I know there's great ideas. No, this is the great wrath, right? That's what this is. Sure. Wrath is great. Of, of course, but there's, like, better, more succinct Steinbeck novels, right? Well, uh, there's more succinct Steinbeck novels. The point novels. I'm getting at is I can tell that there's good ideas being put forth. I can tell that it's well done, but I also do not enjoy reading it. Uh, like, this is definitely not a movie where I would just sit down and watch it for fun. Um, well, yeah. It's not my kind of movie. Yeah. Like, I felt like I had a hard time internalizing what was going on or appreciating what was going on as I was watching it. Uh, there's a lot of dialogue to follow. Uh, it also kind of reminded me of, and I can't say I remember the movie enough because I didn't internalize it very well, but it reminded me a bit of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. That movie is baffling. In that there was, <laughs> at the same time, a lot going on on screen and very little going on on screen, and that there's a lot of dialogue happening, and it's very dense and requiring me to have constant vigilance. A lot of backstabbing. Going on. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like, kind of nothing was happening. It felt yeah, like that kind of thing where it was very dense, but nothing was happening. And so that makes it very hard for me to kind of latch on to things happening and remember. Um, so it's very hard to internalize. Yeah, I, know, I, I hear that. Um, and I also hear the comparison between this and Tinker Taylor, Soldier, Spy, whatever order this yeah. makes occurring. <laughs> um, but I think what this movie does differently than that is it gives the audience a lot of space, right? Like Because there, there are a lot of these... Uh, for lack of a better term, artistic shots, right? Like where we're just mm -hmm. kind of looking at the landscape, where we're just seeing light shot through this set of trees or whatever. And yeah. here's another iris <laughs> shot, right? <laughs> and I, and for me, like first, oh, I realized yeah. that for some audiences, <laughs> that. go ahead. What, what so I um, had the so I had trouble with some of the accents, so I turned on the subtitles. Oh, Jesus! And the, while you were doing laundry, okay. And the sub, <laughs> the subtitles are really funny because there were a lot of in parentheses, melancholy music plays. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's the whole it's a melancholy movie. I think I saw that like six times while watching the movie, and I started laughing at that because it was like, oh, this is the perfect like criticism of this film. It's just the subtitles going I mean, I melancholy even, music plays. I don't even read that as a criticism. It's yeah. just a description. You yes, can, it's a melancholy. You can imagine movie. that in the script, right? Where yeah. the, the writer's like melancholy music plays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you can say that about anything, right? Like, is that a criticism? 
I, I, for me, I think this movie it it takes a long time. It takes its time. Well, maybe that's there. maybe that's part of the problem though. Is that like maybe the music and like the setting is like a bit too on the nose. Like they build this like super depressing and mel- like the melancholy of the film is like so like hitting you on the head with a hammer. Like yep. this is a sad movie. Be sad. Be sad. Be sad. It's, be it's, sad. it's like, not just a sad movie though, right? It, it, because it's the sad movie, but it's also this really ethereal movie, and it's also. This movie that has bigger you see clouds a lot. Yeah, it, yeah no, because I mean, because you do have the you do have the cinematic language of it, yeah. but you also have this idea of a guy literally stepping out of myth and interacting with the world. Yeah, I mean that that part's great. Right, I, so I like that about the film. What, what you read as bludgeoning, I read as focused. And <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And I I think that there are moments in this movie that counteract that, right? Like the scene where well, the Nick Cave. Moment the is Nick perfect Cave for that. Is a great one. It it's so great, right? Yeah, you have um, that when Dick Little is seducing that dude's wife um, at the southern whatever the hell. Which we haven't spoken at all about. Which but Dick I'm Little confused about that scene and why that was there. <coughs> well, it does set up their conflict. Word. It does set up their conflict later on, right? Because that's why Jeremy Renner shows up and tries to kill him, right? Okay. And that scene I is also that. right because <laughs> it was his. It was his relatives. Around. His wife. father's wife. His, yeah, his father. Yeah, it was his yeah. father. His father's wife that he ends okay. up... Okay, I, didn't, yeah, I don't remember like, him saying that that was his father or at all related to him, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they say it a few times. So okay. he should have subtitles on Yeah, he should have yeah, subtitles. I guess. So that's, uh, yeah, that's why he shows up and wants to kill Dick Little okay. later on, or like right after that. And even that scene, like when when uh, Renner dies and Little is shot, is played like kind of goofy. Right, they they're firing at each other and just missing constantly. It was weird <laughs> that they were that point blank and right. missing. Like they're just not very good gunmen, and so uh, like the movie, which again like plays against the west the yes, western trope, right? Of this, where they're like sharpshooters with like two guns, it, right? Just killing everybody, <laughs> yeah. in the right? So it's it's playing off that. So and and that's funny, right? They kind of played as like or at least ironic, and so to say this movie is just a dirge like through and through it doesn't seem I didn't totally see that scene fair. as funny just because he was going to walk in and kill them and they had the build up to him walking into the room oh, yeah. it seemed very intense to me so yeah, I didn't yeah. have I didn't have the opportunity to see it as funny even if they were missing each other like I just thought you know maybe in the intensity of combat they weren't firing properly or something like that right. I mean, or maybe it, like the old western tech guns were very inaccurate I mean that's probably part of it yeah, probably sure, part of what yeah. they're getting at there is that these weapons aren't as although, although Robert can turn around and Shoot Jeremy Renner directly in the head um, when he's you know, sitting there and then line it up. Yeah, yeah. But right. Anyway, so I mean, uh, to me, like that—that that is like because you have that tension while they're waiting at the door for a really long time for him to, to for him to enter, and yeah, that then, wait went on you know a few beats longer than you would expect it to. Right, which was effective for me, but then it's counteracted by oh here they finally come in here and it's this total shit show and they can't <laughs> hit anybody, right? So I think that that's a little the movie has some sense of humor in. Moments like that. I, I don't know about that. Yeah, I really? Didn't you didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see that as funny. Oh, no, it felt it like, it, to me, it was like upsetting. Like, just see these guys like point blank, like shooting at each other. Yeah, it was upsetting and yeah, dark like, and, yeah. and bizarre. And yeah, it was like all of these things at once. So I think to just label this movie as it's melancholy like, yeah. <laughs> is a like It actually reminds me of, uh, I saw this video of uh, <laughs> male walruses fighting each other. <laughs> And I'm sure it was just like that. It's, no, it's incredibly <laughs> upsetting because they just stand in front of each other and stab each other with their tusks until oh, one God. goes away. Yeah, okay. And Shit. Yeah, it, it's it pretty much exactly what happens in that scene. They just right. stand next to each other 
miss, 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 and right. like shoot each other. And it then, limbs. Like he just gets yeah. really hard uh, with the other guy it, in the it's leg. It's so upsetting. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. so it's this, it, and that is not how that would play out in any John Wayne movie. Right? Like there's just no way that that's, no, yeah, that that's, that scene would happen that's true. in a John Ford directed film. And um, so I, I, I see moments like that as not melancholy. And if you don't read it as funny, it's at least more complex than just sadness. I wouldn't associate yeah, this movie yeah. with sadness at all, since the the biggest well, like, reaction I got out of it was, I guess, intensity, tension mm-hmm. between characters, right? It's character-based yeah. tension. Well, I don't, I don't think yeah. like, like in the same way that like depression is not about sadness. Like, it's again like the mel- It's about being like this like melancholy like. Yeah, I mean, that is yeah. the that is the dominant tone. I agree with that. Yeah, but it's yeah, not the yeah. only tone. There are other threads in that tapestry. Not many. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Charles, would you recommend this movie? I, I don't think I would recommend it generally. Um, I've already stated most of my opinions just now about it. You know, like sure. how I said it was like, you know, reading literature in school. Uh, I I can appreciate that there's the type of person. Um, if I run into another person like Wilson, I guess I can recommend it. <laughs> they will have seen it already. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I don't think it's a movie that I could recommend to people generally, and still come out as a respected film recommender. <laughs> so for wow. me, uh, for me, I think that this movie is necessary viewing for having a complete cinematic knowledge of modern film. Like I think you need to have seen this film it, well, alongside the other. Greats, the other great westerns of 2007. I think this completes a trilogy. So I, I feel the same way about the movie I've selected for next week. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, next week we're going to watch uh, the 1987 film uh, Predator. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I've wanted to see this for so long. Here's your chance. Uh, well, you are in luck. Yep. We're going to watch it next week. How did I not see this one, one of, already? One of the yeah. greatest Vietnam movies. Okay. <laughs> uh, so until next week. All right, have a good one. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and read the podcast on iTunes. It really helps us out. You can also follow us on Twitter at MCHS underscore podcast. That's Movies Charles Hasn't Seen podcast. And you can follow us on SoundCloud at Movies Charles Hasn't Seen. And then finally, if you want to email us for whatever reason, you can email us at MCHSpodcast at gmail.com.